Well, hello everyone. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in. This is the show Enter the Dark. Uh, many of you have been following this, you know, broadcast for a few months now. And so I want to thank you and welcome me to the show. Tonight we have a wonderful guest, a person who I respect, who I admire, a person who is on top of her game. Uh, this is Dr. Heather Lay Landon. She is the Chief Administrating Officer for the Warren Legacy Foundation for Paranormal Research. Heather, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, it's I've been wanting to get you on. Like, I've had a couple of people on the show from the foundation, but I go, I need to nail Heather. I got I to lock her in. I gotta, <laughs> because, you know, you do so much work for, for the foundation, right? And you do the Warren Files Live, and I go, you know what? It's time to ask her some questions. <laughs> <laughs> it, it always feels weird to be on the other end. Right, right, right. So first of all, like I said, thank you for, for being on the show. So let's talk about Heather. Who is Heather? You know, what are your, your roots? What are your upbringing? How did you get to the paranormal? And let's see where the show takes us. Oh, geez. How long is the show? No, just it's, an, it's, it's an hour long. I'll just sit back and listen. <laughs> um. Uh, well, basically, I guess you could say I was a Navy brat. I was born in Virginia Beach. My dad was in the Navy, um, but we didn't travel like most families do. We actually um, did Virginia Beach and then ended up back in Chicago where my grandparents lived and the rest of my parents' family, both sides of the family were up that way. And I got real close with my grandfather and he was what really sparked my interest in the paranormal. Um, I'm sure many people have heard me tell the story, but in case you haven't heard, for those listening, my interest was... Uh, intrigued or I became interested in the field around 16, 17, when I started seeing visions of my grandfather in a house that he had never been a part of. He had never seen the house. We didn't even own the house when he was living. So back in the 80, late 80s, it was believed in the paranormal field that in order to have a haunting, someone had to have died on a property or have some type of connection. And we, I just couldn't figure it out. So I started researching, um, bring home books from the library, Anytime we'd go on a vacation, I'd hit up the uh, ghost tours and ask the paranormal investigators there. And I just kind of continued, almost like I went down the rabbit hole. I never really did a lot of paranormal investigating at the time. And it wasn't until the last five years that I've been investigating. I, I did more of behind the scenes work. I wanted to know what was causing paranormal activity, um, how history plays a part, a huge part in it, and how we can use uh, the paranormal evidence that we're collecting to preserve um, the history of these locations that are quickly dwindling and starting to die away. So, and um, I really, I kind of lost my train of thought there. It's all good. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure where else you want me to go on well, that well, that's that's what it is, right? It's that rabbit hole. It's that <laughs> rabbit hole. And, and I, I think for, for many of us, I, I remember for me, you know, growing up, uh, you know, uh, growing up in the East Coast specifically, you know, in New England, New Jersey, New York area, there's a lot of history, you know, with Native Americans, a lot of haunted buildings. And I remember, you know, 10, 11 years old that I, well, actually, let me backtrack. So when I moved, you know, to New Jersey, right, I fell in love with the paranormal because I was, you know, watching, listening to these stories about history. And so I found this magazine called Weird New Jersey Magazine. And when I got my first uh, magazine issue of Weird New Jersey, I was hooked. I learned about the haunted Asbury Park, old Annie's Road. So it's that rabbit hole. There's a dynamic behind there. So I fell in love with the history. So, I mean, what is it that you enjoy most, uh, you know, 
about the paranormal? Is it a historic part first? I mean, what 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 is you know? How, yeah, let's go from there. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the historic part. Um, I've always been. I hate to use the word fan because it was such a tragic event, but yeah. I've been um, real big into researching the Civil War. Yeah, especially Southern plantations. Um, Gettysburg was one of my favorites. Uh, Williamstown, all of those areas were my favorite um, between the history. And then I wanted to kind of be able to place the paranormal activity with actual historic figures. And the same thing here in Florida, a lot of different um, pirateers, um, smugglers, pirate ship, not just pirate ships, um, Spanish galleon ships. There's a whole bunch of history down here that is believed to tie in with the paranormal activity. And the problem is, is that nobody really wants to take the time to try to connect their paranormal evidence to the history. They're either researching the history or they're doing paranormal investigations. They, I, I wanna find a way to combine the two. And then I also like trying to come up with different experiments that can be used to try to interact with the paranormal. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's important. You know, the, the historic aspect, I think it's important. And, and, and I agree with what you're saying 100%, which is why I love our conversations, because, you know, it's funny, even though we don't have the same religious background, but our investigative methods, we, we think exactly like, well, it must be that doctor mentality, right? You know, we're both doctors, so it must, exactly. it must be the, you know, and, and, and I think it's, um, it's a disservice to conduct an investigation on, on an old historic place and not try to tie in the history, you know, that, you know, to me, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, I want to know more about what happened. You know, I want to know the history of what's going on here. And so as I'm conducting my investigation, for me personally, I might be wrong. It, I think there's more of a connection. What do you think? I think there is. And it could be a couple different things. It could be that once we know the history, we're able to better connect with the um, location and yeah. the paranormal energy there. Or it could also be once we know the history, are we reliving the history and manifesting the events ourselves? Yeah, that's cool. So experiment-wise, what mm-hmm. what would you say is your most favorite experiment? Or, I mean, do you even have one? Or do you just like to try different things? I, I like to try different things. The ones that I'm working on right now is I'm using crystal balls. And I set up a night vision camera focused on the crystal ball as a method of trying to capture the paranormal activity that's happening behind it. Because there's things that we can't pick up with our eyes. There's things even the cameras can't pick up. But sometimes you can, you know, I'm trying to figure out the energy and the crystals and all of that to try to see if that helps visually relay the, you know, we know that there's sometimes an increase in activity based on the crystals we have in the area. But I want to see if it helps visually increase our awareness of the paranormal. And then my all-time favorite one is uh, the fidget spinner experiment. Oh, you know, the little stress things that you put in between your, your pointer and your thumb, that little thing? Yes, yes. I, <laughs> I have ones that light up, so you can wow. put them in the dark. And I have them in all different colors, and you just kind of tell the spirits, if you're here, spin the blue fidget spinner. What that is so cool because honestly, I have a drawer of fidget spinners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a veteran ambassador, and they sent me fidget spinners to give out to veterans, and I have like 50 of them in my drawer. So you actually really give me a good idea. <laughs> no, they're they're perfect. They spin easy and freely as long as they're on a flat surface. Okay, that's so cool. Dang, you know why didn't I think of that before? That's pretty <laughs> awesome. You know, uh, one experiment that I haven't tried. Uh, I actually have an investigation coming up this Friday, an emergency investigation. And one method that I, I want to employ or deploy, whatever, um, it's my radio show. I can make up the words, <laughs> is the cell phone experiment where you take one cell phone and you put it in a room and you call it and you're on the other side and um, you see if someone communicates or something communicates. So I'm I'm trying to, well, I want to use it, see if it works. Have you done that before? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't even heard of that, but it would make sense. Um, yeah. My only thing is, is with me personally, cell phones get turned off. Okay. Not even on airplane mode. They just get 100% turned off because they interfere with just about everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, hey, maybe we'll get lucky, but, well, mm-hmm. you know, this is a darker case in general, so I won't go too much into detail, but it is a darker case. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the family has been experiencing a, a plethora of alleged activity. So 
I want to go in with an open mind and I want to go in with, you know, I don't want to have any preconceived notions, but, mm-hmm. you know, I want to try at least one experiment and report back to the foundation, see how it works. I think, you know, it's vital to, you know, go out and, and try these different, try these different methods. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you could also do that experiment with a baby monitor. You know what? I have an extra baby monitor, you know, because I use it for my dogs because they have their own little room. But yeah. I, I, might, I might use that. So I want to go back to the crystals because uh, honestly, you know, I like crystals. I, I like the way they look. I know that you can put them in the sun and they regenerate. And to me, they're they're a beautiful thing, you know, but I, I don't want to sound disrespectful. I just I don't really understand, you know, how, how does that even work, like the power behind it or what? To me, they're just beautiful icons and I love them. Um, but I know many people have used crystals, you know, just to, uh, I guess, enhance the paranormal activity. How, how does that work? Uh, it basically depends on the crystal you want. There's several factors that go into it. Of course, you have quartz crystal, which um, is believed to help magnify and, you know, amplify the paranormal activity. Then you have black tourmaline, which is used for, for protection. Um, I use selenite which opens up psychic abilities. And it's more or less each crystal, just like us as human beings, yeah. has its own vibration. Oh, that's and beautiful. each different thing is able to connect to that vibration to offer us, in addition to our own personal beliefs, that vibration helps offer us the benefits that we need from each of the crystals. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's beautiful. Uh, you know what? And I'm going to, I'm going to see if I, well, I've got some crystals and I want to use it. I'm going to definitely have to message you on, you know, some of their significance and what they mean. But I, I want to step away from the paranormal side of, of ghosts real quick. I, I want to get to the, the meat of the matter. The re, the reason why I brought you on the show, you are a gifted individual. Uh, you have abilities and, you know, you are a witch. So let's talk about, you know, your protection methods, you know, what got you into your belief system. Um, how that ties in with the paranormal, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, whoosh. I want to <laughs> say I was raised Roman Catholic, and even as a young child, I had issues with some of the practices that the organized church had. Yeah. Um, a lot of double standards, at least the church that I went to. Yeah. There was a lot of double standards, and the main reason why we only continued with it is because both of my grandparents were from Belgium. Yeah. Um, and they immigrated to the United States. So they still had those hardcore religious beliefs. And that's the main reason why we continued going. After my grandmother had passed, it was one of those, my parents weren't going to force any of us to go or me to go. And they didn't go themselves. It was more of, we didn't feel we needed to go to a church to practice what we believed in. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Even as an independent Roman Catholic priest, I I believe that, you know, the, the issue is that there is this thing in church called legalism and legalism are the rules that you're supposed to follow by man. If you don't do this, this happens. And the, the unfortunate truth is that many churches have gotten away from, you know, biblical obedience in the sense of, and even that is, is, is a subject that that's, that's sketchy to tread on because there are people out there who I think wholeheartedly are good believers and followers of Christ and, and, and they take the scripture for what it's worth. But then there's other people out there that use scripture to hurt other people. And mm-hmm. I've definitely been a victim of that. And and I agree with you. You know, the, there is a problem with with organized religion in a sense. You know, there are a lot of people in there that are good, but it's it's the leadership. It's it's the leadership. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's what was starting to bother me. And even though I was young, I was nine when my grandmother passed. It was I felt more connected just being outside in nature. So little by little, it wasn't probably until I graduated high school that I was able to put two and two together. I had a friend um, who was pagan and he introduced me to a whole bunch of different things. And some of the stuff he did, I agreed with. Some of it, I didn't. The people he introduced me to, same thing. Some things they agreed with. So I kind of, I don't really want to say it's the best thing to do, but it worked for me is I picked and chose what worked for me. Yeah. You know, I took something from kitchen witchery, from green witchery to, you know, elemental magic and all of that stuff. I took whatever I felt comfortable using and it's almost, I don't, well, yeah, I guess you can say it's almost like I created my own religion that worked for me. Yeah. And I think honestly, that's the beautiful of, of you know, paganism and, and, and Wicca, you know, contrary to popular belief, I, I love, and respect people's beliefs and, and religions. And I think that there is something there. I, you know, the, the truth is that I've met people who 
who are not Christian, who are wholeheartedly loving people, and they practice their own belief, and they're the nicest people in the world. And then I come across people who come from different Christian sects, and they are the worst people that I've ever met. So kudos to you. I mean, that, you know, that, that says something. I mean, my whole thing is about this show. What I want to bring is I want to bring different elements of the paranormal and different religious beliefs. And I want to let the audience know that it's okay to believe in what you want to believe in as long as you're respectful and, and, and you love one another. So elemental magic. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know what that is. What I can tell you is I remember at 11 years old, I had a Gerald Gardner book and I did a ritual and I think it worked because something in my kitchen fell and that was the last time I did it. So, so magic, uh, you know, kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about how you view it. And that's the problem with it. It's so many people view it as it's a bad thing. And it's one of the, in the research I've done, it's one of the oldest religions, if not the oldest religion in the yes. world. Yeah. Next to Hinduism. Yes, it is. Come on, people. She's preaching now. Listen up. Okay. <laughs> but but I, I'm always, you know, I always tell people as you know, as long as you respect my right to believe how I want to believe, I respect yours. And I'm not saying yours is wrong. I'm not saying mine is right. Yeah. It's just, you know, if we can't all get along and be happy, what's the point of having any beliefs? Yeah, I mean that's true. I wholeheartedly believe that. I mean, you know, my truth it's my truth is or my belief is subjective to yours, but you know, my, my whole thing is just like, I love everybody. Just respect one another. You know, hey, mind your own business. You know, they, they're doing what they're doing. They're not hurting anybody. Stop trying to force your religious beliefs on them because it, you're just going to make things worse. So, <laughs> and I like that. So, but elemental magic, what exactly specifically does that entail? It, it entails um, basically all things in nature. The uh, wind, fire, earth, water, and wind, fire, yeah. Wind, fire, oh. earth, and water. Okay. <laughs> and air. <laughs> there you go. Air. There's a fifth no. one. <laughs> and, and that's where the uh, five points of the pentacle come from. Okay. For all the different points um, of the elements. And it's basically using, I, I always say it's, um, instead of connecting with a god, it's connecting with Mother Nature. Yes. It, it's using her powers and her beauty to you know, protect yourself, control your, you know, control yourself, bring you strength and all of that stuff. And some people get more, you know, attracted to things such as fire, others, you know, like the, I, I personally prefer water. Okay. That's always been my favorite one. Um, and it just, each one shows you different strengths. Okay. And then each one, if harnessed properly can help, you know, fuel your magic as well as they can also be used together. Okay. And for you, what is the what's the important significance of, of water? Is it your alignment spiritually? What what can you do using the water element? Um, fully cleansing. I, I personally, I like the uh, cleansing sensation of the water. As far as I cleanse my crystals, I um, do a lot of sun, um, moon, storm, and seawater. Okay. If you come to my house, I have jars all over the place, and they're labeled sun, water, sea. That's awesome. That's so when cool. it storms out, I throw like five bottles outside. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to do it. I mean, you're connecting with nature. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, it's a beautiful representation of your practice, your belief, and 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 what you follow. I mean, that's that's so cool. You know, every time I have a guest on, I'm always just honored because it's it's always great to listen to how other people um, live their lives, and and it gives you a small snippet. You know. It, it lets you know that there are other things out there. And, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, so you would consider yourself a witch, right? Wicca, Wiccan or pagan? A witch or pagan. Okay. I'm not really, there's a lot of people confuse the two. And I, I don't even know all the details between the two. But I know to be considered Wiccan, there's an actual church or organization to go through. Yeah. And for certifications and all of that stuff. And I'm kind of self-taught. Okay. And um, solitary practitioner. Oh. I know when I was in Vegas, uh, I hung out with a lot of people. Um, Sin City witches. Mm. It was it started as a meetup, but then it yeah. developed to more. And we just would get together, or we, you know, COVID hit, we would do it all virtually, and we would just talk about different things we do. That's about half of the uh, different uh, herbal mixtures I get, or the oil sprays that I do, came from just interacting with other. 
other witches in the community and discussing what works for them. And, you know, we share tips on mixing and, you know, there's, it was such a great thing to do, but I've always been on my own because it's the way it was for the longest time. You, you yeah. didn't tell anyone. I mean, I didn't really start telling people until about four years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and then these are things that are, you know, that are deeply rooted into your heart and sometimes you are guarded with these things. I mean, these are personal beliefs and that's how I felt too. Uh, you know, uh, with the paranormal, you know, I've always been into the paranormal all the time for, for a very long time. And it really wasn't until I got into the foundation that I started publicizing more Then I started creating my page. So I, I can de definitely identify with that. And mm -hmm. so, and so popular to contrary belief, you guys are not running around the woods naked in the forest, huh? <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. No. <laughs> secret, secret. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was hoping that my co-host Dalton would be here, but uh, he messaged me. He said he's at Walmart. He's running late. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Dalton, if you listen to this recording later, man, you're running late because you're at Walmart. <laughs> you know, so, okay. So, oh my gosh, there's so much, there's so much here to cover. So, what about you, uh, ability-wise? Uh, are you a psychic medium, an empath? Uh, does that tie into your belief system? How does that work? It, it, it's funny because we were just talking about that earlier today because I was I, I really don't put a label on it because people have told me that I have abilities, yeah. but I don't see it. I, I know I have the empathic abilities because we would go to, like, let's say Disneyland, for example, or Disney World. And I would be in a crowd waiting for the parade and all of a sudden I would just start crying for no, and like heavy crying for no reason. Yeah. Cause I was picking up on all the energy in the area. Oh. And it got to the point where until I understood what was going on with me, I couldn't go out in public yeah. because it was just so overwhelming. And when I do, or even going on different locations, I can see and hear the spirits. Okay. But when it comes to someone coming to me and saying, hey, can you connect me with my Uncle Bob? Oh. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Yeah, yeah you know, that's, uh, that, that's happened to me uh, many times before where I go out and the energy is so heavy and I'm so tired. I'm exhausted when I get home. Sometimes I get grumpy. I get grouchy. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just it's, it's, it's too much. So mm -hmm. when you when you face, you know, this this type of feeling uh, um, what methods do you use, I guess, to protect yourself or to cleanse yourself? Uh, well, I do carry, um, it's black tourmaline, red jasper, and um, a moonstone okay. that I carry. It's somewhere in my body at all times, whether it's a pocket or tucked in a hem or something. I always make sure I have those. I do have little crystal protection, or not crystal, um, protection jars with different herbs in them, such yeah. as rosemary, thyme, and the black sea salt that I use. Yeah. Those I'll carry with me. And then I do have, I just recently started using it, and it's more comforting than I ever thought it was, but it's a huge howlite stone. Okay. And okay. that what? goes with me everywhere I go. So you have a couple of crystals in your pocket right now? Or when you go out? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Well, you know, yeah. that's that's no different than me carrying a cross or having the St. Benedict medal on me. And I think it's, right. it's, it's cool because I've learned that you've got to protect yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. So let me ask you this question. You know, since being involved with the paranormal or, or even the, the foundation, do you find yourself more susceptible to attacks or just you can feel when something's not right or you can sense negative energy because I, I believe in synchronicity. I, I believe, you know, that all of us, for example, in the foundation, we're all dealing with different cases. And I believe that most of us or not all of us can get affected by just like what, what, what one member is working on. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it just depends. I know um, after I joined the foundation, it seemed weird. It was like I was going on investigations for the former team that I was a part of. Yeah. And when on that team, I had been, you know, physically attacked several times and a member of my partner in investigating, he was psychically attacked several times during the process. But the minute I joined the foundation, it was in the middle of COVID. So we weren't doing any investigations. And I seem to be have done a lot of intake calls. Yeah. That never went anywhere. Yeah. So I haven't been on an investigation for the foundation since I've joined. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. even then, though, those intake calls, they, they, at least for me, they can become daunting at times. You know, nothing against the client, but 
there's a lot of information that's being disseminated and there's a lot of, you know, analysis being involved during the questioning. And I, and I find myself many times, even during, during, or even after the intake process where I'm like, Whoa, that was a lot. I am tired. I'm exhausted. Do you experience that? I, I get that just from reading the intake forms because <laughs> cause even though Layla takes care of it, I still yeah. see them and I just, I, I snoop through them just because I'm curious yeah. as to what's going on and just reading some of the forms and it's like, I'm mentally exhausted and trained yeah. after just reading. Yeah, no, it's, it's true though. I mean, you know, and, 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 and honestly, and I think it's a blessing and, and I'm grateful to be part of the foundation and to be able to, to assist these clients. But folks, I mean, if you knew, this stuff that our researchers and investigators have to go through, even even the reports, uh, oh my gosh, uh, a lot of it is heartbreaking. And the foundation, we deal with a lot of darker cases, you know, demonic cases, and and sometimes not even that. Sometimes we're dealing with people that have extreme psychological illness, or they've been a victim of these YouTube clickbait teams that go over to your house, and yeah, you got a demon. So what are your thoughts on that, Heather? <laughs> <laughs> that, that came up on a recent case that we were working on and it just I, I know it pissed several of the members who are on the case off very much <laughs> we uh started this woman was she's devastatingly afraid that she has a demon attached to her she paid hundreds of dollars um for different people to come in and help cleanse her house and cleanse her and this and that and then the paranormal team that went in to investigate sent her a whole bunch of photos that said, here, look, you have, you know, a demon and X, Y, and Z. And we analyzed the photos even before we talked to the woman. Several of us did. And we all came to the same conclusion. They're faked. Oh, they're faked. They're so not, faked. Even, not even paradelia, just, oh. No, they're, they're 100% faked because when you go to that paranormal team's Facebook page. Yeah. They not only shared the photos for this client on their Facebook page, they also have photos from other cases that they've worked on with the exact same images oh. in the photos. Wow. So these pictures have been physically altered mm-hmm. just so they can get some likes on their, on their Facebook or YouTube right. or whatever. Oh, my gosh. And scare the client. Oh, man. Oh. That, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. And folks, and, and we're going to be doing an episode here in a few months, hopefully, or a few weeks, Dalton. Now, we're going to be talking about uh, exposing these teams, probably not give out their names, but uh, we're going to have a series on that uh, because I think it's important for people to know that it's not okay to be victimized, uh, you know, with these paranormal teams. Granted, there are other people out there that have good intentions. You know, we've come across some teams that are like, hey, you know what, we've tried helping out. Uh, we just don't know what to do. And so they turn it over to us, the professionals, not saying that they aren't professionals, but what, how many years combined together through all of our members do we have, Heather, maybe over 500 years experience, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't <laughs> even count them. We have, we have a lot. We have a lot. Um, that, that's amazing. That's amazing <laughs> that we have all that experience, but it sucks. Um, clients, clients, um, what is your approach? you know, with, with dealing with clients that have, you know, these psychological illnesses, these traumas, or they've been baited, you know, with these teams, how do we get them out of that mindset? We first need to get them to trust us. Um, Cause that brings up a case from when I first joined the foundation I had, we were working on a case with a client uh, back in Vegas and a poor 72 year old woman, cutest thing in the world, loved her to death. Um, I developed a strong bond with her with the other team because I did her intake call. And uh, even though I didn't do her physical um, investigation, there was no evidence collected. And she was 100% sure she was being tortured um, by a demon. And she described the demon and, I mean, everything. It was it was almost, to me, I started feeling like it was too rehearsed because it was too detailed. Yeah. And, you know, even when traumatic things happen to us, we tend to forget some of the finer details. And she wasn't forgetting anything. But well, it, well it was weird. What? Well scripted? It, it felt scripted. But yeah. it, it was tough because towards the end of it, um, I did some research on the medications she was taking. And those caused tactile hallucinations. So the things she was feeling could have been caused by her medications. But the investigation proved nothing. Uh, my husband and I went over to our house just to do one more follow-up interview 
when I went to the foundation and to get her to sign foundation paperwork because she was switching over from the last team I was on to having the foundation help her. And when we reviewed, I re-reviewed all the um, recordings that the other team had done because she had given to me, given them to me. And I talked to the other investigator who's actually now a member of the foundation. He did the investigation and we all came to the conclusion that there's nothing paranormal there. Yeah. And when we, you know, I actually had to have Chris on the phone with me because it was the first time I've had to tell someone they're not being haunted. And she just started crying and bawling on the phone saying, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And to this day, she's, I'm having other paranormal teams reach out to me saying, we need help with the demonic activity. Then they share the client's name with me. And I'm like, it's not demonic activity. We've tried to help her. And she refuses to go to the doctor. I, yeah, you know, the unfortunate part is that we do our very best to try to help these clients. And 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 look, you know, I, I think that, you know, we, we, do, we do a really good job at being detail-oriented. But just the matter of the fact is that sometimes our clients are mentally ill and they can't accept that. Um, we had a case like that uh, in Texas. I, I won't go and mention the names, but, you know, it involved a succubus and involved an incubus. Um, yeah, there were some reports that were cooperated of, of of some activity, but those were those were from different residents. But you know that area had a high murder rate, had prostitution, had drugs. So I believe that there was a lot of residual energy. So at, at the end of the day, after dealing with this client for two years, you know we were asking and asking and asking, and finally they came out and said, "Yeah, you know I do have schizophrenia. I've been diagnosed with schizophrenia, and now I want to hurt myself and kill myself." And so, you know, uh, the foundation, we went out the way and uh, we called the police and we got her the help and we had to terminate the case and we couldn't help her. So everybody just be cognizant that um, a lot of the clients, sometimes they're not susceptible or they're just too mentally ill. And, and, and that's uh, that's one of the saddest things. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we got some questions. We got some questions. Let's get to the questions. I think Nicole, Nicole asked, what was your first paranormal experience? That would be seeing my grandfather. He would be appear at the foot of my bed, next to my bed, walking the house. He was all over the place. And how did that make you feel? Like, were you scared? Or you were just, you weren't really prepared, huh? Because you were, I mean, how, how old were you? Or how young were you? Should I 16 ask? or 17. And it really didn't scare me. It wasn't threatening at all. It was very comforting. The only time he would freak me out is I'd be brushing my teeth and I would, you know, finish and look in the bathroom mirror and he'd be standing behind me. But in the bathroom, the way it was set up, there was no, not enough room yeah. <laughs> for someone to be standing behind me physically. Grandpa was just what? Was it grandpa? He was just making sure you brush your teeth right. Right, exactly. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Lyons, Bill Lyons, thank you for tuning in. Uh, he asked, is Heather from Nevada? Yes. Okay. Would you like to elaborate more on yeah. uh, your Nevada? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, time, um, your time in Nevada and your team. And yeah, it, I lived in Nevada for seven, a little more than seven years. And um, I was part of Sin City Paranormal, which is no longer in existence. And then I started my own team, Exploration Paranormal. And then we moved to Florida last September. Oh, awesome. And you also, uh, you're, you're kind of famous because uh, you're on TV as well. What's the name of that show? Is it Haunted Ghost Towns? It, it's Real Haunts. Um, Ghost Towns, and okay. then Real Hunts 3 comes out later this year. Ooh, can't wait to see that. I'm, I'm putting that on my uh, Pluto TV. Uh, Nicole wants to ask, when is your book out? August 22nd is the release date. Ooh, can't wait for that. All right, let's see. Um, George Cannon, what does the Bible say about crystals, if anything, Father Ken? We, uh, well, I mean, honestly... Yeah, I, I can't tell you uh, what the Bible says about crystals. I, I really haven't seen anything about crystals. The only thing that I can give you information on is that the Bible does caution you about working with sorcerers and magicians and all that stuff. But a lot of that stuff is Old Testament. Um, you know, not to say that I don't, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> do you do you have any idea, Heather? <laughs> no, not a clue. Not a clue. Same here. Oh, Terry York. Have you ever visited Zach Bagans Museum? No. Yeah. That was one place I didn't really have any interest to go. Yeah. Well, I went. So I went, uh, obviously, you know, my plane, you know, we're an hour flight from Vegas. And I was like, you know what? I want to I see the hype. 
And so my wife and I, we went to the Zach Biggins Museum about two and a half years ago. And it was cool. I mean, they had like a couple, they had a lot of different nice things, you know, like in their, in their shop. And the only thing that I can tell you that happened significantly, that well, it wasn't even significant. Uh, my wife had her earrings on and there was nobody standing behind her and her earring fell out. Like somebody unclipped it. So, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to roll that out naturally. Uh, and the other incident happened was there was a young female that was from Australia and we were in the Dybbuk box room. And, uh, you know, there's always cautions about the Dybbuk box. And uh, she was taunting it or whatever, and she was making fun of it, and she was told not to touch the case. She touched the case anyway. As soon as she got to the hallway, she got really pale, and she got flushed. She started throwing up, and she collapsed. So, I, I you know, I, I don't know if that was paranormal or what, but, I mean, who knows? I, I don't. I, I don't like to label everything paranormal because, you know, realistically, most of the stuff, most of the time, it isn't, you know, so. so. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of the stuff in there is uh, fake, but yeah. yeah, that's just what I've heard. Well, yeah, no, and even <laughs> and even then it said, well, not a lot of these things in here are haunted. These are just items that I've collected. And I go, that's cool. You know, there is an energy in there. There is an energy in there collectively with all the people and all the tourists, you know, they, I would say maybe it's like the egregore mind state. You know, they create their own egregore and, you know, things start happening. But, you know, I, I've never really had anything bad happen to me on an investigation. Uh, and I know you had mentioned that you were scratched. Oh, yeah, I've been scratched, pushed, <laughs> lifted up. <laughs> but are those demons, though? Is it demons? Everybody says they're demons. No, no, they're, they're just... Um... People who are a-holes in life. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Come on, people, we got some more questions. I mean, so, all right, scenarios, let's see. Um, okay, so, I mean, if you, do you have, like, a, a, a place that you really want to, like, go investigate? Like, what's your, what's your list of investigations? Um, I really want to get to any pub or, in Ireland, any castle in England. And then the Sydney Opera House is on my list. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, my favorite place is I love New Orleans. I'm in love with New Orleans. I plan on buying a house there one day. It's great. Have you ever been to New Orleans? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. It's such a wonderful place. I mean, I love the the, the history, the culture, and, and I love the lore behind it. It's it's so great. It's, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> so, um you know, we, we go back and we talk about all these ghosts and, you know, we talk about all the cases that, you know, that, you know, we talk about um, and we review. Have you had a significant case that made an impact in your life? Not really. The one that kind of opened my eyes was the um, we went into an investigation. We were the second of our team, a second group from our team to go in because previous investigators had gone in and they gave us the mindset, they were 100 dead set that it was a demon. But the more research we had done and the more we had talked to the family, they wanted me to go in because of my uh, pagan background because the daughter was dabbling in witchcraft and didn't know what she was doing. Mm. And it was weird because the minute I walked in, I turned to the investigator I was with and I'm like, this isn't going to be good. Mm. And Mm. it was, and he's a pretty big guy. I don't want to say too big, but he's a decent sized guy. And during the investigation, his eyes went completely black. Oh, wow. And he he time slipped because he had no idea where he was when he came to. Oh, yeah. You know, and being that he's bigger than I am, scared the crap out of me. And I had never been scared by the paranormal before that. Yeah. And then later in the day when I was um, in the her closet, because she had a closet, two closets, one on either side before you went into the master bathroom. And I turned around into the closet and there was a giant black shadow figure just standing there staring. Oh. Then towards the end of the investigation, I was helping cleanse the house and... During that time, I was putting uh, cascaria and black sea salt on her windowsill over, because she had a big picture window over her garden tub. Yeah. 
and I was sprinkling it on there and something literally either karate swept, swept my feet out from underneath me or picked me up and threw me, but I went flying in the air and landed on my knees in the tub. Oh, yeah. Granted, I, I stood up and treated it like it was a two-year-old child screaming at it saying, we don't do that. We don't treat people like that. Yeah. But then once that was over with, the house was brighter yeah. without turning on any additional lights. And it just, it opened my eyes that, yeah, this is a scary field we're in because up until that I did behind the scenes research. Yeah. Yeah. I never really did anything to put myself in harm's way. Yeah. And it happens. And, you know, and for me, that seems like it could have been a, a spirit that was angry, not necessarily mm-hmm. a demon like people believe. You know, the, the, the truth is that there are spirits like, um, you know, Heather mentioned, they're a-holes in life. And so when they die, they're going to be a-holes when they die, you know. And, and so what do you do in a situation like that? You know, you, you maintain calm, you know, you keep your character, you maintain your bearing and you proceed. You know, what, what's the biggest thing that we teach in the foundation, uh, Heather? Show no fear. No, just <laughs> That's right. Show no fear. <laughs> do no harm. Yeah. Do you know how? And, and, and why are those important? Let the audience know, please. Yeah. Because you don't want to scare your clients. You don't want to scare people. I mean, I look at all these Facebook groups and I see someone post a photo and there's a hundred comments. Oh, it's a demon when it's a bug. You know, the more we scare people, the more um, we spread paranormal activity and the more people become susceptible to being affected by negative yeah. entities. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, and it's, it's actually pretty disgusting I'm I'm a, I'm a part of many groups, and there's times when I've seen some stuff, and I go, you know what, I'm out. But Chris is like, no, you should stay there, you know, just teach them the right way. I go, nobody wants to listen. So, but, you know, I'm going to take Chris's advice. But there are a lot of groups out there that, you know, they spread a lot of bad information, and they create this whole thing of fear. And and fear is, is one of the biggest factors that plays in how an investigation is, is going to turn out. I mean, with the client and, and with the team. Yeah. You know, so... But that's not to say that you're not afraid. You know, I think often people get that confused with, well, are you saying not being afraid? No, there's going to be times when you have fear. You know, you might be a little afraid or a little anxious. But, you know, for me, when you go into an investigation, you have to be clear. You have to be level-headed. You have to be concise. And I think um, you have to know what your mission is, what your goal is. So for, for you, Heather, when you do an investigation, what are the elements of your investigation like? You know, what's what's the process from the beginning to end for you like? Um, of course, I get the client's information. I research the property. I research the client um, for any as much as I can legally and yeah. then um, conduct the video interview. Then I do a little bit more research and do a follow up interview just to make sure. And then at that point in time, I make the decision on if an investigation is warranted or not. Okay. But, you know, nine times out of 10, it's just, hey, you know, do X, Y, and Z and see how things go. And it's more or less just counseling. Yeah. And that's why I always tell people that's why we call it parapsychology. Yeah. You know, we're, we're psychologists in a sense. Yeah. To help these people. And then if an investigation is warranted, of course, you know, you go in and you try to do your best to conduct an investigation to capture whatever evidence you can. And then it's also about trying to find natural explanations for the activity and helping the client understand that what's in their home isn't going to hurt them as long as we know it's not going to hurt them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if we feel it's going to hurt them, then we do everything we can to get them spiritual help, you know, cleanse the house. Well, that's well said. I mean, that's that's well I, that's well said and I, and I love it. But why not just go in and conduct an investigation? Why why can't I just eliminate all these steps and just go do an investigation? I mean, <laughs> first of all, you you don't know who you're dealing with on the other side of that application. Okay. You you don't know what you're walking into. Um, you don't know what type of paranormal activity might be there or the client claims they're having. And you also don't want to go into a home where the client might have psychological issues. And they see you doing all this investigation, and then that triggers things to them yeah. thinking that you're there because there really is paranormal activity. Love it. I love it. I mean, that's essentially the process of elimination. And, and you know, there is this fad out there, you know, and, and bless their hearts. And I'm going to keep it Southern. Bless their hearts. These teams, they just go in and they just investigate and they capture evidence and they go, here, this is what you got. This is the picture. Yeah, we got an EVP. There's a demon here. Yeah, you're good. You know, what you were talking about is right. All right, we're out now. (laughs) 
what am I, what am I going to do as a client? What, how do I deal with that? If I was a client, what do I do? I mean, even as a team, why do you, why would you even do that? What, what are your thoughts? Because there's so many teams out there that want the fame. They want to be the first to capture specific evidence. Yeah. They think they're in it to help clients when in reality, they're just there to get the thrill. Yeah. I mean, I know several investigators who call themselves paranormal researchers and they go on residential investigations. And I've been to um, evidence reveals with the client per se, the when we closed out the case. And they showed up saying that they didn't have any evidence because they didn't go through their evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So what's yeah. the point of going on these investigations, pulling out your DV, you know, digital voice recorder, your photo, you know, your camera, yeah. and spending four hours of your life if you're not going to review it to see if you captured anything? Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and, and that's a discipline. And, and I think that's what makes a researcher different from, you know, a ghost hunter. You know, I, you know, ghost hunters are out there for the thrill of the hunt and they just want to try to capture stuff. But, you know, I, I just, you know, kudos to them. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Do you like doing abandoned buildings, cemeteries? I mean, do you like messing with the Ouija board? I mean, what are your thoughts on those types of, uh, you know, spirit communications or even just because like for me, the, the Ouija board, like. I respect people who know how to use it, and, and that's fine, but I always caution, uh, caution people. But I'd like to get your perspective because you don't have the same beliefs that I do, and, and, and it's interesting to, to know and understand how other people with different backgrounds uh, you know, deal with like how the Ouija works and Ouija board works and going to these abandoned buildings and cemeteries. Um, I personally have never used a Ouija board. However, I do have pendulum boards, which are essentially the same thing. <laughs> they have all the letters around the out outer rim with yes and no and maybe and all of that. And I personally view Ouija boards, pendulum boards, no different than any other form of spirit communication. It's mm. no different than an EVP session. You yeah. open yourself up to the paranormal, regardless of what vessel you use. And you just need to make sure you know what you're doing. Uh, be prepared for what can happen and know how to protect yourself. And then also be prepared to stand your ground and tell them that you're done communicating. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe that's one of the most amateurish mistakes that a lot of these ghost hunters do. You know, they go in and they do spare communication or they use the Ouija board. And then all of a sudden what ends up happening is they end up getting activity or more often than not, the investigators have nothing happen to them. And when they leave that home, that client's home, the client is now suffering much more worse than what they originally had. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's because they don't know what they're doing or what they're dealing with. Uh, King had another question. He goes, do ghost towns have any residents? Yes. There's, and actually in my upcoming book, I have different classifications for ghost towns. You have your completely abandoned ghost town, which has no residents. And that would be similar to um, Berlin and a couple other locations in Nevada. There's several down here in Florida. Then you have these privately owned ghost towns, such as Gold Point and Nelson, which okay. is owned by one or two people, like Nelson's owned by a husband and wife. Gold Point is owned by, um, he calls himself Sheriff, um, Sheriff Walt, but he owns it with his brother and one other partner. Okay. And they're the only residents, but they do open for tourism. And then you have... Communities such as Searchlight, Goldfield, Tonopah, which are considered um, working ghost towns or living ghost towns, and those that have a few hundred residents that still live and work there. Okay. But they're still classified a ghost town because they don't have enough residents to have some of the things a typical city would have. So a ghost town is not because there's ghosts there. The ghost town is not just because of the population? Yeah, the, it was abandoned. Oh, okay. That's cool, though. That's so cool. I learned something new. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, King asks, "Can't the demon take over your mind?" I'll let Heather ask. I'll let Heather answer this one. <laughs> Only if you let it. Yeah. Only if you let it. I, I one one of the things that I teach through the shamanic life coaching that I do is the power of self possession. And I explain it as it's no different than. And I'm not blaming when I talk about this. It's, I'm not blaming the victims. Because I, I get yelled at this all the time. I'm not blaming the victims. <laughs> but it's it's no different than a kid getting bullied on the playground. Yeah. The ones that typically get bullied are the ones that have low self-esteem, low confidence. 
And what typically happens is when you finally turn things around and start believing in yourself and you stand up to that bully, they tend to go away. Yeah. If you are so fully confident in yourself and fully involved and you're self-possessed, nothing else, there's no room for something else to possess you. No, I, I agree. You know, and that's one of the one of the commonalities when it comes to a deliverance or even an exorcism is that they're being bullied. The demon takes over their mind because they're not strong enough. They're not strong in their faith. And they're like, well, Father Ken, you know, I'm doing this. I'm reading this. I'm doing this. Okay, cool. You're doing all of those things. But do you believe and have faith in what you're saying and what you're doing? And I think that's kind of the same same concept. You know, it's true. I, I, I mean... You know, there's this theory that says that if, well, if you're a newborn Christian or whatever, you can't get possessed. But I've seen people who are of the faith and they've come under possession. And that's mm-hmm. because they're going to church because it's a routine. You know, they're they're reading a book, the Bible, because it's a routine. You know, they're, they're tithing because it's a routine. There's no connection there. There's no true intention. Um, and, and I think, you know, you have to believe in, in what you're doing. It's true. I agree with this. This is spot on. Um, Nicole, is anyone else in your family a witch? My mom. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Can, she, can you talk more about that? She, she converted with me. <laughs> well, that's so cool. What? That's awesome. So the, the more she saw that I was starting to research, she started to research on her own. And she, even though we do cross paths, we yeah. do still have our own separate pathways. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. I mean... Like I said, you know, you have something that has brought you and your mom closer together. Or I mean, not saying that you weren't, but it's it's brought you close and, and you guys have a common. And it's a beautiful thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I love about people who are on their own paths. You know, um, you know, I, I as I mentioned, I've met some of the most free spirited people in the world and they're not even Christian, you know, and and for people to say, well, you're going to go to hell. That's I, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. That's that's improper teaching in gospel. So um, even my dog is laughing. He loves it. <laughs> uh, Carlos Nunez, uh, do you believe that Sage works? Yes, 100 percent. Even though I know Sage is a temporary fix. If you use Sage properly and 100% believe it works, it's going to work for you. I have everything in my house from, I have pineapple sage plants in my garden. Um, I have, I burn sage every time I clean the house. I have sage incense. I use um, sage essential oil in all of the different oil mixtures that I make. It's a staple in our house. I cook with it. Oh, awesome. See, I have dragon's blood sage. Uh, I use Palo Santo uh, and I use uh, my favorite. Honestly, I love Florida water. Yes. <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> You're in Florida. Florida water. I love and it. And Florida water is really easy to make. Yeah. Is it now? See, I, I buy it on Amazon for like five bucks and I bless it when I get it. <laughs> How do you do that? Can you tell us? Um, I don't have the recipe with me, but there is a recipe with different essential oils that you can do that with. Okay, okay. And maybe I'll teach a class on that. Oh, that'd be nice. So people stay tuned. Heather mm-hmm. might be teaching a class on how to make uh, Florida water. You know, so that's, that's going to be awesome. That's, this is what I love. An exchange and interchange of ideas, you know, and, and, and solutions to try to help our clients. And more importantly, you know, these are things that I think the client, the, 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 you know, the audience, they love to hear because – Many times, you know, there's always one way people think that there's one way of doing things, but there's so many ways uh, just to to bless your house, cleanse your house, protect your house. And I mean, it's beautiful. You can even combine ways because we did a uh, it was a combination of a blessing and I guess one of my cleansing rituals. And what we did is we had the homeowner go through the house with her holy water and she put crosses over all of her doors. Yeah. And I followed behind her with the cascaria and sealed the cross with the cascaria. Is are those the little shells that make the noise like ca, 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 the little yeah. shaker? It, yeah. It's crushed um, hen egg shells. Okay. Yeah, it's like uh that uh my grandmother used to use that because uh, she was a high priestess in Santeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I remember her using that as well. Um, you know, too, uh, a lot of uh, witch doctors uh, that I've known from the Caribbean, uh, they've used that as well to 
to ward off people's spirits. Uh, many times when they do a property cleansing or they're trying to banish uh, an evil entity, they'll use the casqueria, um, and it works. But it only works because you have true faith and you have intentions. Your intentions are right, and, and yeah. I think that. You know, one one mistake that, that I've seen is teams, they go in with their different belief systems and they're not in synchronicity and they'll try to do their own blessings and then nothing gets resolved. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is that a common thing or? It, it is. We actually, I had that on the last team I was on and even though I'm still friends with most of the people, when it came out that I was a witch, two of the members refused to work with me again. Well. Oh, well, that's their loss. Yeah, their loss, they, that's, that's their loss. They didn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's such a negative connotation. And that's the thing that, that, that makes me upset. People are so closed minded. You know, they're so closed minded and they're so rigid in, in, in their in their thought process. Uh, and, you know, once again, that's their loss, you know, but our gain. <laughs> so King wants to know. So you essentially believe that spirit boxes are useless? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mostly, yeah. <laughs> Not essentially. Um, I, I do have to say it's there's too much contamination in cities with all the radio frequencies. Yeah. We used a spirit box inside a mine in Nevada, um, up in Goldfield, and even though we didn't get any evidence in there, it was all white noise. Okay. And that was because we were blocked from all of the radio waves. Okay. And then we did an investigation by the hangman's noose in Gold, Gold Point. Oh. And Gold Point was so far out of the way of anything that there was no radio frequencies reaching him, reaching the town. And the minute we turned that spirit box on, we were hearing, hello, hi, from men, you know, male voices, female voices. And we were able to communicate through that with them because there was no outside contamination. Hmm. I, I think they're great for when you do events. Because you have the people who show up to the event that want results now. Um, and 90% of what we do, you don't get results results until later. Yeah. And it's, I think I still think they work, but not as far as collecting actual evidence of the paranormal. That's true. <laughs> King says, Nicole's got to set you straight because Nicole says, I've gotten good responses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all good though. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and we're and we're not saying you know this is just these are just opinions. You know, I mean, it doesn't work for Heather. You know, if it, it doesn't work for her, it doesn't mean that it may not work for you. I mean, you know, she's just talking from experience. Uh, I hate the spirit box. I hate that uh, that that static noise. It hurts my ears. It's it's the nails on a chalkboard feeling that I get. I just want to kick it. <laughs> I can't stand it. Uh, it's just it's. I don't like it. I don't like it. Especially if you use it for the entire four-hour investigation. Yeah, yeah. It's like that white noise, and you drive off, and that's all you hear. It's It, it can give you a headache. Uh, I've got a REM pod that I'm going to use, hopefully, on Friday. But, I don't, you know, I'm not going to rely on equipment. You know, I, I, I believe that there's nothing there. So, well, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> so, let's see. Uh, one last question. Bill Lyons is, what is the big folk, folklore in Belgium? What's the folklore out there? Oh, geez, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I never really researched or studied. <laughs> hey, well, now you know. <laughs> now I'm going to have to add something to my list to research. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's on your to-do list, your your ten page to-do list. <laughs> right. It, it's one of those things where my grandparents died when I was so young. I really didn't hear many of their stories. Yeah. Well, we've got two minutes left on the show, and I want to give the mic to you heather um anything you want to say closing statements any more advice it's all yours oh well first of all thanks for having me on the show i had a great time tonight um i do have you know i know nicole brought it up but i do have my book haunted southern nevada ghost towns it's coming out august 22nd it is currently available to order at books a million barnes and noble um, local bookstores have it and amazon has it yeah. Then I did sign a contract. I have two more books coming out next year, um, Haunted Florida Lighthouses and Legends, Lore, and Ghosts of the Vegas Valley will be out next fall. Um, again, we talked about Real Haunts Ghost Towns. That's already available on Tubi. It was by Motion Picture Video. Real mm -hmm. Haunts 3 is including footage from my team, and I think two other teams are joining us in that one. And that's basically footage that didn't make it into Ghost, Real Haunts Ghost Towns. 
Okay. It'll feature more of Goldfield, and that should be out this fall as well on Tubi. Oh. And you can find me on Facebook at Dr. Heather Lee, and it's spelled L-E-I-G-H for the Lee part. And my team is Exploration Paranormal. And, you know, I do have my podcast, uh, Exploring the Paranormal, which will be on a radio network soon, as well as I co-host The Warren Files and Ghost Education 101. Wow. Yeah. Extensive resume right there. You heard it, folks. Okay. So if you need to get a hold of her, you know where to get a hold of her. Heather, thank you so much for, for being on the show. It's, it's an honor. I, I always love having a good conversation with you. Thank you for, you know, showing us and, and departing some of your knowledge. Audience, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the dark. Um, well, you know, unfortunately, our co-host Dalton didn't make it. He's still at Walmart, I believe. So hopefully he'll be here next month. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and have a great night. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs>